0: Hello, I'm Stuart Childs and you're welcome to the Dairy Age, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. The Irish Grassland Association Annual Dairy Conference is taking place on Wednesday the 18th of January in the Charleville Park Hotel. This is a very popular event, so I've asked Vincent Griffith, who is Farm profitability Specialist at Orivo Co-op and is also Chairperson of the IGA Dairy Conference Committee, to give me a preview of what people can expect from the day. As always the IGA offer a highly relevant and interesting mix of information and this year will be no different. Session one which is entitled Where To From Here is going to focus on the potential impact of bending. So as bending has become a reality since the 1st of January which may come as a surprise to many I asked Vincent to outline how the session is going to pan out and what Noreen Lacey of IFAC and David Finley, who is a dairy farmer in County Leash are going to speak about.
1: We're going to look at the costs on farms and what are the options available to farmers. So as everyone knows, if you take the band in the basically three bands there now and, and like one band will see a kind of reduction on lower output herds, below 4,500 kilos in the middle band and then you have the higher band as well, which is going up to 106 kgs of nitrogen. So Noreen's going to look at that like for farms, maybe that if they're in derogation, what, that, what will that mean for them? What are the financial costs? Like, so if we take it farms at the top end of the derogation, they could have to look at different options, be it taking on more land or reducing cow numbers. So I suppose we're going to look at the cost of that and what are the options that farmers have to, to do that. So it should be a really really interesting paper because it'll put the figures in black and white in front of farmers.
0: And then David is going to look at it from a farming perspective. So the Fenleys have a very high production herd in terms of milk salads in particular, but they're on the, on the cusp of, or of, uh, they're going to be affected by the changes I presume, are they?
1: I suppose David's just going to give his, his, his approach to how they're going to farm over the next few years. And look, as you know yourselves, sure, there's people that are kind of on the edge, like they could be at the, the top end of the middle band, we call it, and maybe a, a bit, of, bit of work around bull selection and things like that to take down the, the leachers because you're not affected in terms of the kilos of milk solids sold. So, I mean, obviously, as well, in terms of looking at investments in the future in terms of slurry storage, um, and, and things like adapting technologies around, around nitrogen use as well. Like, so obviously, Clover is a big one, and we obviously have a separate session. But, but David's going to give his, um, his outlook on how they didn't uh, tell their story in terms of where they've got so far and how they're going to navigate the next kind of five years, you can say, really, in terms of the new era and in terms of the, the new nitrous rules
0: yeah and, and that'll be an important element i suppose for like because there is just an adaption phase that people are going to have to go through here to get used to the the different areas or the different bendings um and where they sit in them and so forth so that like what uh, what david's planning out there will be a good kind of blueprint almost for people to to have a kind of a, an overview of what they need to think about for their own farm as well
1: yeah and probably like we're probably gonna in one thing when we've talked about stocking rates previously we'd have talked about I stock units per hectare, but really with the three bands, you've got to talk about you know organic nitrogen per hectare because you know the, the cow different cows aren't equal to each other anymore in terms of stocking rate. So that's an important aspect that people have to um, to get get their head around, and we'll discuss that in session as well. Like,
0: yeah, so I suppose moving on to session two, then Vinnie, um, like as I said at the outset, there the IGI always likes to try to have its finger on the pulse in terms of what's affecting farmers and everybody's probably aware at this stage we we would have covered these in previous events with the iga in the past uh, in relation to labor on farms and we'll say people in involved on dairy farms obviously but uh you're looking at it from a slightly different angle in this year's one uh, this year's uh, conference in that you're looking at the role that technology can play and you're also going to look at some efficiency so you've john upton in relation to efficiency obviously very important around the whole. Uh, hike in electricity prices and costs and so forth and I suppose even just the demand that farms are going to be putting on for electricity and there's issues around that, that in terms of the evening milking clashing with peak uh, peak requirements and so forth and then you've also got Francis Nolan we'll say a dairy farmer from County Kilkenny who's uh, in put in a share of technology onto his farm in order to try to make life easier for him so again I suppose we've the, the kind of the heavy element with John and then the more practical element with Francis I suppose
1: yeah, like so. I suppose, like, sure, we would all know John and all the work he's done with energy efficiency um, in, in the dairy industry the last probably 10 years. So, he's got some uh, some really interesting data on that. And I suppose, as part of that as well, there's been a huge uptake in interest in, in things like putting in solar energy on farming. It's a big investment, but obviously, you said yourself we're at record. In electricity prices, so so there's, there's a huge amount of interest in that. John's going to go through that, but I think an important element for all dairy farmers is to look at efficiency first. There's a lot you can do before you get to the, you know, putting on solar panels, and it will be the right decision for some farms to put on solar but there's, there's a lot of steps before that in terms of reducing energy usage to, you know, break use of plate cooler, uh, variable speed pumps, and John's going to kind of walk us through that, and maybe. maybe farm farmers a favour of what a really energy-efficient dairy farm will look like, and then looking at the steps in around a larger investment in terms of putting in solar panels, what are the steps, what are the grants available for farmers? And, and again, that, that question around if you take solar, that'll vary from farm to farm with, with energy usage, whether the farm is uh, on a three-phase or single-phase electricity, and they all make a difference to payback time and usage and as well as usage of batteries on, uh, in conjunction with the solar system as well. So like I said, there's a lot of work done, has done a lot of work. And he, I, th- I think it'll be a really interesting session because like I know you've probably been saying yourself, George. you talk to dairy farmers and there's kind of shocked at the moment at the size of electricity bills the last three or, four, three or four months and people are looking at ways to reduce them and uh, maybe in time uh, do something like solar, there might be a payback over five or ten years.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's a point that's been made to me by several farmers is that um, exactly as you said there there's maybe a, there can be quite a bit that can actually be done inside the farm gate and John is going to look at all the elements of it in terms of, and he pushes that a lot, but I think a lot of people probably get sucked into the idea of the investment piece rather than actually looking and seeing what are they doing first uh, before they ever invest and that's probably an important piece that they need to hear from John. Again I suppose John has to keep saying it for people to To realize that I suppose the hike in the electricity cost will probably be the the catalyst for people to start looking at what they are doing first before they go spending the the money on the equipment. So then you have will say Francis's piece then will say, as I said, is looking at the investments that he's made on the farm in terms of improving his infrastructure, I suppose, uh, so that he has good facilities and also embracing technology for to try and make life easier for him. Can you just outline that a little bit more for me?
1: Yeah, absolutely like, like like Francis like another he's on the signpost program as well with Tyrone, but, but he's done a lot of work over the last few years in his farm and you've got kind of we call the heavy infrastructure that makes a big difference to uh, uh, labor efficiency on a farm and then there's the newer technologies be it heat detection systems or whatever and I suppose but there's a lot of money being invested on dairy farms at the moment there's been a fairly good financial year but I suppose what we're hoping to get from Francis and his paper is, to, is to like that kind of decision-making process when you are looking to invest um, to, to make the best use of money because technologies will definitely help run your farm but you can get into ones that maybe aren't really that beneficial and you're into kind of gadgets more so than things that are making a real difference to, to your labour efficiency and your work-life balance. So I suppose Francis will go, again, he'll tell his own story about, about his own and system but, but but he'll go through his thought process about investments uh, and how we best targets to get put investments that give the best turn on investment because you know like like heat detection systems are twenty thirty thousand are a large investment and you want to be sure the money you are spending you're getting a, a good return on it and and that's what that's what we're hoping to get to get out of that session like you know because there is a lot of money being spent on dairy farms at the moment
0: yeah so just make sure that uh, the money that's there is being used wisely isn't it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like and like as you said, like it, it's not a labour session, but this stuff kind of touches on that in terms of you know there's a like full employment for the for the country labour labour and getting people to work on farms is difficult. So even technology can make it a more um a nicer place to work and maybe easier to attract and retain labour as well. Like you no. Know.
0: Yeah, very good. So the last session, as I said, like uh, just trying to keep your finger on the pulse, but probably nothing dramatically new in one way, really. Like I mean, we've been talking again for a number of years about trying to reduce nitrogen applications, um. But again, it's really beginning to hit home now, uh, catalysed also I suppose by the r- massive ramp up in fertiliser prices in the last twelve, fifteen months, um, and people maybe dabbling with a little bit less nitrogen last year, whether the, it was calculated or otherwise basically they were they they use less nitrogen as we know from the national statistics with a drop of nearly 30 percent, i think it was in terms of nitrogen b- bought um but like we'll say we are going to have to live with lesser amounts of nitrogen clover is a big part of that because it, we know from work that's been done in terms of modeling work by ld Roel that if we take out the nitrogen and we don't do something to try to grow, uh, help grow the grass we're just going to reduce our grass production so if we do that, obviously that impacts on our ability to carry a certain stocking rate. So we've two of our one people from Chagas um, in terms of Mike Egan and Mike Danin talking about white clover and red clover. And then again, we've that farmer element of it. So we've Robert O'Dea then that's going to speak in relation to how he has actually gone a long way down the road that people are going to be challenged to go down in terms of reducing his uh, uh, amount of nitrogen used. So I suppose I'll, I'll just get you to outline what's Mike Egan going to talk about first. Uh, and then i'll i'll ask you to tell me about what mike Deneen's going to look at and then we'll come back to what robert is going to cover then
1: yeah so yeah, exactly George. like so like you kind of set it out pretty well there they like and clover is probably the new um the, the thing we've been talking about for a good few years but I suppose as we move on in the next 5 years like really we're no longer talking about grass clover Sorry, grass only swards all dairy farms are going to have to have a, a, an aspect of grass clover in their in their swards to get to those nitrogen reduction targets. And look, I suppose Mike is going to talk about that in terms of grass-white clover swards, but he's going to really focus on the first couple of months of the grazing season. He's not going to maybe get into the, the summer and the back end. It's really going to focus on the first two months at at grass in terms of nitrogen nitrogen application on these swards, what we can do there, how intakes on those swords and how we are supposed to promote over at the start of the year so that's what Mike's going to focus on be very topical for the time of the year you know Barbs will just be starting to calf probably the 10 days after the conference so it's a, a really useful reminder of things to get right in the first two months of grazing
0: yeah, and then Mike Dineen is going to go on to, I suppose, what this is probably the new uh, new area for most people. You now, there's a little bit of a done, obviously, but like there's a lot of talk about how the red clover on the outblocks blocks has the potential to really dramatically reduce nitrogen use, obviously, in terms of growing silage swards and so forth. So, Mike is going to discuss that. Mike is
1: going to focus on that, and he's, he's going to look really at the, the management of red clover swords. Um they're, they're pretty new, as you said, Stuart, for most people, but th- I suppose the, the massive um the massive carrot with them is that look you're looking at zero nitrogen or zero chemical nitrogen on them swords uh, and growing very significant amounts of grass. But they do have to be managed differently. Red clover isn't the same as white clover, probably not as persistent not as persistent under grazing, um, and probably won't take poaching so like it has to be managed differently. Mike is going to go through that, and also the type of silage that, that red clover makes, how to make good red clover silage. Um, Mike will go through that, and how will he feed out as well. Like, Mike Denis is coming from kind of that uh, fishing background, so he he'll, he'll be looking at the whole story from growing it to feeding it out to the performance we can expect from cows on red clover.
0: Very good. And then Robert O'Dee. I know Robert with a good number of years myself from my time working in Limerick. Um, Robert has always been ahead of the curve, I suppose, in terms of taking on g- great to take on advice and great to take on a challenge. I would say as well. Um, so he's he's gone a long way down the road, as I said there at the very start as well. What kind of numbers are we talking about, roughly, like in terms of reduction? Are we?
1: Yeah, like so. He Robert, like as you said, an early adopter to this these technologies, and he he is um he's his clover swords getting very small amounts of chemical nitrogen, um, that, and like he, he's. Like in terms of actually the targets that we talk about in terms of reducing chemical nitrogen maybe by thirty percent, like he like he's probably surpassing that. Like so, he, he's well he's well away in terms of his system at the moment in the right place in terms of chemical nitrogen. Like he's achieved reductions that the whole industry has to get. To. So like you're listening to someone with a lot of experience and he's doing that at a fairly large scale as well. Um, in terms of the cow numbers and he's expanded as well. The last couple of years as well to to a partnership and stuff like that. So 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 Robert will, will tell his story. I mean, uh, look, you know the farm very well. Sure, really excellent grassland manager. So he, he's got a really good story on how he's managed to promoted the clover be it through reseeding or through over-sowing as well. So, um, this is a journey that a lot of dairy farmers are starting. Listening to Robert, you're talking about someone maybe that's three or four years down the down the line, like.
0: Yeah. So and the other thing I suppose we often get a. Uh given out to maybe that we don't talk about the, the downsides or the potential risks that can be associated with this but Robert is going to cover all of that as well in terms of the lower spring growth and the risk associated with bloat as well isn't he? Clover
1: is a, it's going to be a really important part of all our dairy systems and all our grazing dairy systems but look there are issues and you can't ignore the bloat one it, 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 um, it has the potential if not managed properly to do fairly enormous damage to your farm in terms of losing cows and even the mental strain that haven't gone out in the morning and not being sure whether you're going to find cows kind of dead or alive so that has to be managed properly and as I said farms that have a lot of clover there's different management of how lads are reducing it and Robert will tell his story on that and then obviously you're going to have a little less um, spring growth but Robert will deal with that in terms of that and that's probably come through from the the trials in in Park and Kilty as well previously the lower spring growth but i would say those are not insurmountable challenges and and robert has a good story on all that you
0: know yeah very good so in fairness it's a it's a nice um, mix of stuff there in terms of what the the theory side i suppose and the practical side in every one of the sessions as well so it's a it's a good day out for people to consider attending and some really practical advice there like um i think especially like you said there for people to all people really need to know is, is the way forward, really, and see some people maybe. I suppose we can talk about it a lot, but at, at your level, in terms of from the co op's perspective, in terms of what you'd like people to do, and obviously we can speak from the research point of view that we've seen here within Moore Park and so forth, and across the other research centres as well as to how people can do this. But often it's the person that's uh, the farmer that's actually doing it themselves already that is the catalyst. I've mentioned that word three or four times today, um, to actually getting people to to adapt or adopt these technologies, because I suppose there's always that bit of a fear. And as I said, Robert is, is early to go for these things and his experience around it. And people will be able to learn from his experience. No different that they will be able to learn from what David's thinking in terms of his planning and also from Francis as well, in terms of what he's after doing on his farm. So that it's a very good day. As I said, it's on the uh, Wednesday, the 18th of January. And uh, just to remind people that uh, people need to register if they're going to do that, and they can do that online by uh, accessing uh, IrishGrassland.com. I suppose the other thing, Vinny, just to mention it very briefly, is um, there's a pre-conference event that people may or may not be interested in. Uh, again, it's, with tr- it's you try to hit the target in terms of something that you feel might be of of pertinence to to people to attend. Uh, and you're looking at a kind of a f- farm succession piece, which is obviously important and you'll have a better handle on it than I would even from just from the arrivo point of view in terms of the age profile of your supplier base, etc. Uh, and, and in a lot of cases, most of those reflect the national picture as well. So we do have an, an ageing dairy farming po- population. Um, uh, that succession piece is an important piece. So what's uh, what's going to be covered on the on the night before the conference?
1: Yeah, so we've uh, our our former past president uh, Paul Ireland is is chairing the events, and um, actually me and who does a lot of work in the the agricultural sector on succession is just going to have a conversation. There, like you know, the the events there'll be there'll be questions from the floor and comments from the floor as well. But it's just looking at successful or successful succession basically, and that can be within families, and that can be and it can be as well where you're bringing people in outside and farm partnerships and. It's a difficult topic, succession, and as you've said, Stuart, there's an age in pop, there's an aging dairy farmer population. Um, there's, in some cases, there's uh, people who are, have maybe no natural successor within the farm, and then you have younger people who would like to get into dairy farming. Maybe the home farm isn't a financially viable. Dairy farm might be too small or too fragmented. So it's about just how we develop successful. Uh, partnerships, uh, and uh, it's really about planning, maybe. And uh, ashley has a wealth of experience on that. Both good and bad, it has to be said. There's no point for the that all succession is good. I mean, it's a really difficult and sensitive topic, but uh, I think it's really worth talking about for an hour uh, the night before. I think it'll be a really interesting session. And as I said, Ashley has got you know, the wealth of experience in terms of developing these partnerships and agreements and uh, maybe what's gone well and what's maybe not gone so well so definitely well worth it ending, like, particularly if, if your family farm is in that space like.
0: yeah and i would say vinnie as well that i i often think that um like people can it's it's never too early to actually be thinking about this kind of thing because it's um it might it might be 10 years before you're going to do anything it could be 15 years before you're going to do anything but just being aware of what is out there in terms of options and just the consciousness, kind of just to have a level of consciousness of what is uh what are the options around um succession subsequently like and maybe just again like I said, in relation to the farmer, uh, farmer speaking the following day, the their experience, you're also going well you're obviously we're not going to get individual case experience, but you're going to get the experience that Ashling has as as you said of dealing with good and bad. She'll be able to give you examples of what you kind of shouldn't do and what people should be considering doing as well. So it'll be well worth attending now, it'll be a good event with a
1: yeah, absolutely, yeah. As, as you said, the most important thing people do is start the conversation and start being aware of the options because there's loads of different options around succession and stuff like that and look at the tax system and stuff like that is geared towards helping people with that. So, you know, as you said, it's never too early as well,
0: like, you know. Yeah, and I suppose the final point again, just on on the succession piece, like, I mean, it's not a decision that should be made overnight, there can be, like you said, you mentioned the tax piece there, there can be a bit of planning needed around that, there needs to be kind of, obviously, uh, legal side of things need to be planned as well, so it is, a, it's not a process that you just, it's not like flicking on a light switch that you just do what people need to be thinking about this. And as I said, I think people, there, there'll be a lot of people might be looking at that session saying, oh, they're, they're not in that space right now, as you, as you might've said there earlier, but the, it's there's definitely something to be got from that session for everybody, I would think so. It's way, like, if you're booked in for the conference, you're entitled to attend that um, on the night before. Uh, so people should consider it, I would say.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, no. Very, very fair point and you know it, people work very hard in their dairy farms mm-hmm. and you don't want to see that maybe thrown away or whatever by maybe not thinking about planning it and as you said if you can start like you're not going to make any final decisions uh, the night before the conference but it, it's just part of the process of uh, you know developing your plans for your family and your family's farm right? mm-hmm.
0: Very good, Vinny. So um, we wish you all the best with the conference and, and uh, the night before as well, obviously. Hopefully all goes well and uh, I look forward to talking to you again into the future and thanks for coming on today.
1: Thanks a million Thanks very much for having me
0: on. That's all for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Vincent Griffiths for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Stuart Childs, and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.